So I have a question for you guys. Is it possible to be an atheist in a standard Dungeons and Dragons world? This is a really fun question because I've thought about it before. Um, in a world like the Forgotten Realms where the gods are obviously real, they exist, mm-hmm. it raises the question. How obvious are they, Will? <laughs> I mean, like you pray and immediately a miracle happens. Um, so being an atheist means something different than it means here on Earth because where where's the room for doubt in D&D? Mm-hmm. Like you, being an atheist is more like just being a stubborn person. Like <laughs> it's not a flat earther thing. It's more about like the like if you've read Mordenkainen's, um, you'll realize the gods are generally pretty petty, terrible people, and people should not worship them because they're oh terrible. yeah. Throughout mythology, so that's, that's I think pretty what an atheist standard. would look like. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Look, look at Zeus or Thor. Yeah. Any of those yeah. pantheons so, are very um, selfish. I don't, I think it's possible to be an atheist in D&D, but it, it means something else. It's more like a rebellious um, act than it is yeah. just a uh, philosophical position. That's, That's an interesting true. point because that means that a as a philosophical point, it is probably more left to the intellectuals of the world who would be the ones in rebellion. So it would be probably most likely wizards. If if I were to <laughs> If I were to say like, what class is most likely to be an atheist in D anD D? And I'll probably be the wizards because they're the ones who are doing the most almost godlike things Weird. themselves, I'm like of themselves, or maybe sorcerers, just because they're they're the ones who are like causing these effects to come from like the world and from themselves, and not from you know being bestowed power by a demon if you're a warlock, or from a god if you're a cleric. Or from, you know, nature, if you're a druid. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. The force of the universe, the, like arcane power, is more vague. See, that's interesting. Because I feel like most gods didn't start out as gods. Like the pantheon kind of like members leave like and, and enter um, kind of at, not random, but like a lot of the gods are just like, you know, a level 30 wizard. You know, or just like, you know, some super yeah. mega cleric or some mm-hmm. some ultra druid. Um, and so dragon. it's really interesting. Like a lot of um, in my world, one of the gods is the god of luck. And he's basically just the best charlatan of all time. Um, and he's literally yeah. not a god, but he is worshipped as a god. So it kind of makes him like a faux god because he's just like always prayed for like all gamblers pray for him like anyone who's doing any test of luck or anything and so it's really interesting it's like the gods are not like this what we would view as like a western judeo-christian god that's like omnipotent and omnipresent um and all like it's not like that like these people are just like they're they're like super powerful beings that like kind of used to be humans Mm -hmm. or used to be just people um, which is, it's really fascinating. Did, is your, is your luck God accessible to mortals? Yes. Yes. Pr- pretty accessible because he's like, um, I don't know. He's really trying to spread his, his, his message. Cause he relies on kind of the prayers of people to give him the status of kind of a Debbie God. Um, which is, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, like, does he live on the planet? Uh, that's debatable. People have talked to him, but he's kind of always teleported in. Um, so I don't really have that you know, in that's like set in stone. But um, yeah, I think this question is really fascinating. And I think the answer is, I mean, in my world, no, I don't think you can be an atheist because like gods have like 
lived and died and like their 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 will is kind of apparent you can see their actions um prayers are answered literally often times um mm-hmm. but i think what you said earlier it, you kind of you can easily have rebels like like people who are just rebellious to the gods um i imagine it kind of the opposite of what david said david said like wizards would be the least inclined to believe in gods but i think it would be someone like a mercenary who's like just a fighter who's seen so much bloodshed who's just like f the gods they've never helped me before they're never going to help me in the future you know and just kind of like being a rebel like just almost apathetic of the gods because they've never given they've never given a crap about him why should he give a crap about them yeah it's a a totally different thing i know that in the eberron world he's made the gods more withdrawn and mysterious so there Mm -hmm. is room for this genuine doubt if they exist because clerics like they pray and they have magic but you don't know if there's a connection between this or if they just tapped into something that's like the arcane but is not exactly yeah yeah you can play with it. Well, in my world, when I did a post-apocalyptic campaign, um, I made it where the pantheon of gods was killed. Um, and it was called the Heaven's Fall. And all the gods dying was basically all that happened. But that, like, wrecked the world. Because so much of my world's infrastructure of the Republic is built upon clerics saving people and magic working. Um, and mm. so all that collapsing is just, like, devastating because it is so real like it is so tangible in most D settings so i had a thought occur when you were talking about your trickster god and, and we don't know if he has like a dwelling on earth somewhere and he just uh-huh. teleports just like a around. charlatan yeah. um, in world of warcraft in world of warcraft there was uh the technical support people were called game masters not in the D sense but just in like they were an administrator and um, some of the players, from what I understand, you could just be promoted, right? But you apply through the Blizzard program and, and they give you an account that's an oh, administrative account. So you can go yeah. and resolve issues. There's a guy on YouTube who tells about his time when he was playing WoW and he was also a game mastering. Anyway, in WoW, there was an island way off the map and GMs could just teleport there like, just whenever they want and they go hang out and you can fish and do whatever. But how <laughs> interesting would it be if um, your pantheon is really just ascended mortals um, yes, but there's a place yes. for them to go that that is always there, and nobody knows who made it. None of the gods like made the it. Mount Olympus, right? But this yeah. is like the question of um, like a greater being, you know, the divine watchmaker who is no longer there, but there's like provisions for these godlike beings to live. It's like a hierarchy, sort of like Earth Two, right? It's yeah, the ascension into that higher plane, like into the hierarchy of the pantheon of gods. Oh, I find that fascinating, <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. Like it's fun. It's super fun. Um, of yeah. what? Imagine like you also gain more abilities, like as you get there. So like you become more godlike mm-hmm. because you're a part of you know that pantheon. So there could even be like a treasure hunt for it. <laughs> so it's like you got to find the realm of the gods. That's, that's so to become fun. a god. That could be a really oh, fun yeah. hunt. There's a game yeah. called Godbound, and you start off uh, as like a 20th level D and D adventurer, but you're a low level demigod, oh. and your your goal is to become like you know more developed, almost like Kratos. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. but in that game, you're not going to be killing goblins and rats. Like the lowest level monster you kill is like. Another An angel god. or something, yeah. and you're like, you're, oh and, and they can like rip buildings in half. You know, it's, oh. it, it's really cool. Yeah, it's fascinating at that high level, which essentially at level twenty you are demigods. Um, 
but yeah, that whole, that'd be very, very fascinating to dive into like, what's the difference between a demigod and like a god? And like, can a demigod mm-hmm. fight his way to the top or like become this, this true god? Oh, it's, and where's the line between that? Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 32, The Cleric. The Cleric. The, the cleric? cleric. Okay, I've got some qualms with the qu- Cleric. I don't know. <laughs> so here's the qualms? Cler- clerical. Uh, cler- clerical qualms. No, so I, um, I was not born and raised on D&D, like I think um all of us here um so the kind of idea as the cleric as a class is kind of strange after playing other rpgs or like mmos um and when i first heard the cleric i was like what is the cleric is it so it's basically a priest but they can wear armor and so i was Mm -hmm. like okay so how are they different than a paladin or like if they're not a priest are they like just some holy wizard that can wear armor like it's a weird i feel like it 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 um, inhabits a space that's in between a lot of different um, realms, a lot of different class archetypes, um, but it ends up just being support because it's been like in the D and D canon for like since the beginning, right? Like it's just weird to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is kind of strange because if I think you're referring to the priest in World of Warcraft, right? Yeah, yeah. So if it's like you think that's of... the healer. Like this, this wheel, the spectrum of all of these casters, um, in terms of like physical ability and and uh, spiritual or spell ability, um, and the the priest, it, it makes sense in WoW to wear the lightest armor, but have like the best healing spells, or at least back when I played the game. Yeah. Uh, but then you have the cleric who has the best healing spells, but also wears close to the same armor as a paladin, uh-huh. but he. His melee attacks are, well, maybe not as good because he doesn't have a lot of them. But he, he can also fight in melee like a fighter or a paladin. But he's not either of those. But the melee isn't, like, really good for... No. It's not the focus. So, I have a theory of where the cleric comes from. I don't know if this is true or not. <laughs> so, I'm just... This is my hypothesis. I think this goes back to the Crusades. Okay. So, you look at uh, any sort of, like, the religious conquesting that that went through you're having a lot of people who are what i would consider like paladin types who mm-hmm. are more knightly uh-huh. um, and who are very combat oriented and then you would probably have people who are just like the priests on the field the spiritual leaders per se who are aren't as focused on direct combat but they would be aiding and supporting people in other ways and from my perception that's probably one of the influences that could have influenced Gygax and other people to include this it makes sense to me class because Gygax was uh-huh. a humongous history buff yeah and if he's coming off of miniature battles and napoleonics and crusade stuff um you have this idea of your medics being in heavy armor if you're on the battlefield and you're you're trained to fight just like in any modern military um just because you have medical training doesn't mean that you do not train how to fight so um, in some ways, it, it kind of makes more sense than in WoW, which is like this high fantasy, because um, you would never send a person wearing cloth armor to the battlefield. <laughs> uh, yeah. Even in D&D, like wizards, <laughs> wizards are the exception to that, obviously. 
just because they are so inherently powerful with their magic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, hmm. if we're going to build like a perfect model of D&D, like we should put everybody in the heaviest armor available mm-hmm. all the time. I want to talk a little bit about the history um, of the class in the game. Uh, and actually, this discussion has made me think about the the cleric um, in different terms. So in the, the original game, the little brown books, the three little brown books, there was only three classes officially but they also had races that worked as a class so um there was the fighting man which we would call a fighter uh, the magic user which we've seen kind of splinter into more specific things now and the cleric but they also had humans dwarves elves and halflings and those races worked like classes so the elf was kind of a magic user fighter the dwarf was like a type of fighting man uh, and the halfling i think was you know i don't really know how to uh anyway um the cleric had no spells at level one. So if you roll a cleric, you're really just like a crappier fighter. But once you get level two, you get all kinds of cool things, such as turn undead and um, and spells. I think by the time you get to level three, you can create water, create food and water, and you can purify food and water. Um, and in the original game, being more like Oregon Trail, if you think of it in those terms, <laughs> source yeah. tracking, that's a big deal. And so a spell that is still in the game and is, as far as I can tell, completely useless oh. who who in 5e has ever used create food and water i've seen it used a few times for but anything it's very rare role play right yeah yeah it's very role play now mm-hmm. um, but it was really a big deal and then um turn undead was it could be a whole different discussion on turn undead but it was really cool a turn undead is always it's a very i don't know it's a strange spell that kind of seems there aren't many spells that's like, okay, this fireball does triple damage to lizard folk. Like, you'd be like, what the, f- why? Why is it like that? But like, turn <laughs> yeah, them but you dead. you have to look at it into the context that it was made. That's what I'm asking for, is, yeah. So there is, the, in the original game, if I'm correct, it was just lawful, good, neutral. No, it, was, it was lawful, neutral, and chaotic. Lawful, neutral, and chaotic. So, um, cleric being a lawful class has would have advantages against uh chaotic creatures right which would be the undead and because you know they have these divine powers they um they would it, it they're kind of like they would be considered polar opposites if that makes sense so be able to yeah like undo the magic that has made them and they're also like considered to be the bringers of life which is like anti-necrotic mm-hmm yeah, um, to really understand Turn Undead, I think you have to look at the source material that inspired the creators of D&D. And so if you're thinking of like vampire movies, they they can show a crucifix and it makes the oh, vampire yeah. flinch away. Um, and I think most monsters have that kind of weakness, right? Like you show them something or you, or you do something and they, they flinch away. And so um, there was a blog I read that really looked into... Yeah, um, to really understand Turn Undead, I think you have to look at the source material that inspired the creators of D&D. And so if you're thinking of like vampire movies, they they can show a crucifix and it makes the oh, vampire yeah. flinch away. Um, and I think most monsters have that kind of weakness, right? Like you show them something or you, or you do something and they, they flinch away. And so um, there was a blog I read that really looked into Turn on Dead because he says Gary Gygax didn't seem to like it much. He didn't talk about it. He didn't house rule it. It was just sort of like he put it in the game um, because Dave Arneson, when he was modifying his chainmail to make D&D. Um, we don't really know how he did it. He, he didn't write anything down, and if he did, he didn't preserve it. 
So, uh, but the way it seems to work is that it was more like in those movies where you turn on dead by showing them your symbol and then they just freeze in place. And then Gary wanted to change it apparently. Um, so you, you make them flee and run away. Huh. And that's the rule that we have in the final game. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Huh? Right, maybe there's a lot more undead in the original game. I don't know. I have a qualm with the uh, the cleric, <laughs> the original one. They could only use a mace. And I don't know what history or lore this is supposed to reflect, but there's no sharp weapons used, allowed for a cleric. Oh, and man. Maybe huh. this is a nod to the Hippocratic Oath or or some medieval version of that where you're not allowed to like pierce flesh. Yeah. Oh, whoa. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Where it's huh. more like they were like cops with like bludgeoning sticks. Yeah, like you're Night not supposed sticks. to really hurt people. You're supposed to like disable Knock or discourage. Yeah. Disarm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe but then the... you have this like big fat like metal mace with just like <laughs> just a big ball of spikes on the end. It's like, well, technically this is still a bludgeoning. <laughs> he probably won't die if I hit him with that. <laughs> Are you pleased, gods? So <laughs> it's it's funny to see these rules and we're trying to, to kind of reverse engineer the thinking behind why this rule was this way and i think um, between turn on dead and no spells and the mace only um there's a lot of thinking that went into this that maybe wasn't ever communicated in the text itself yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh, like all of these are just mostly speculation mm-hmm. but it's still interesting to think about you know where they were trying to come from in order to you know make the rules that we have today <laughs> Um, so that's enough about the old cleric. Let's let's go into the modern times. Um, and Jake, I have I have some good news for you. Okay. Are you ready for some random table talk? Am I ever? Are you ra- 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 ready? <laughs> random table <All> right. talk. <laughs> for today's random table talk, as we are wont to do, we are opening Xanathars, and we're gonna roll on the background tables for our fifth edition cleric. And we're going to talk about cleric temples. Okay. It says that most clerics start their lives in service as priests in an order and later realize that they've been blessed by their God with the qualities needed to become a cleric. So this is where you're starting out. Jake, roll a d6. All right. Six. You served in a temple in the outer plains. This is oh, something... So it's not even on this plane of existence? That's cool. Because imagine you come from Mechanus. And you're like this priest of extreme order. Yeah. Like lawfulness in the insane extreme. I'm imagining like your spells all like have mechanist flavors. Mm -hmm. So like when someone, when you cure wounds on someone, like little little gadgets come out and just like start sewing up the wounds. And clockwork mechanisms. Yeah. I love that. It reminds me of Green Lantern when they can imagine mechanisms so complicated. Like every screw and gear is there. And your spells are extremely detailed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's super great. I wonder if you could play as a Modron who's like corrupted and you're you're a cleric of Mechanus. And you just like clank around bringing order to the world. Oh, man. No, I love Mechanus is a pretty And you're just like super OCD and you're just like trying to like fix everything. That's really fun. Order. 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 <laughs> well, you don't have to pretend to be a robot, but yeah, the uh, the idea is cool. Okay, this is your keepsake. It's like a personal symbol of your faith. Roll another d6. Okay, that is a four. A braid of hair woven from the tail of a unicorn. Huh. I picture that it's rainbow colored and there's glitter in it. <laughs> maybe you were from. Maybe you're at a temple in the Feywild. Okay, that's an outer plane thing. That's an outer. Oh plane yeah. Thing. 
So, so you'd be more chaotic in that case. Like a chaotic good. A yeah. chaotic good. Like verging on a druid. Like the most druidic version yeah. of the cleric. Yeah. That's super cool. And then yeah, nature like oriented. The magic takes the form of uh, just growth, like nature growing. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Finally, Jake, you get to roll your secret. The secret is, no mortal soul is entirely free of second thoughts or doubt. Even a cleric must grapple with dark desires or forbidden attraction. I love this. Uh, one. An imp offers you counsel. You try to ignore the creature, but sometimes its advice is helpful. So this oh, is literally a devil, a devil. on your shoulder. <laughs> yes. That's so good. This is oh. really fun because I would play this as your god is kind of distant and silent. Like They don't directly respond except with like granting a miracle every now and then, like spells. Yeah. yeah. But the imp is always there and always whispering oh, to you. And it's kind of charismatic. Yeah. Like... And, oh, and, and I love the the DM playing this almost <laughs> kind of like a mini warlock patron. That's what I was about to say. Is like this yeah. is like a mini warlock patron. I Would other people this. be able to see and hear it? No, I imagine like it's generally. Like, I mean, either way, it could it be only, great. But yeah, even if like that'd be interesting. <laughs> I love that. Like, I it just love poofs that. in. That's and so it's cool. Just... <laughs> Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and no, like, because I like that you ignore the creature, but it, sometimes its advice is helpful. I like the idea of it's like, oh, the devil on the shoulder, whatever. But, like, he gives good advice. And, like, if you're the DM playing this imp, you should make it give good advice. Or, like, yeah. be like, hey, go left. And that's really the dungeon master saying, all right, morons, like, go left. Um, oh, interesting. And, and so the imp is kind of always right. And so whenever eventually you string them along long enough, you can make the imp go slit his throat. <laughs> and then like the cleric's like, he's been right a lot. Like, should I do this? <laughs> like, oh, this, that's, that's really powerful. Um, that's super cool. I love any um, interaction between like the DM and like a, a minor NPC that's kind of attached to your class. I can't wait to talk about the warlock for that reason. Oh, um, but yeah, that that's super cool. I love the idea of doubt. Can we just read all of these? Because I think um, these this kind of doubt is so important for character development for a cleric. Like this yes. defines a lot of your character. I think that any good character is defined as much by their struggles as by their yes. strengths. And yes. a cleric who's just always like, "I will pray for thee," and you know, "I must tithe to my temple." Like it's funny for. The first few times, but if <laughs> yeah. he never has to be challenged, then he'll no never struggle. grow. Yeah. yeah. So here is the rest of the secrets. Number one, we already read is the imp. Number two, you believe that in the final analysis, the gods are nothing more than ultra powerful mortal creatures. Oh, that's what we were talking about at the <laughs> yeah. start of the episode. That yeah, that's Holy. a bit on the nose. But wow, that's perfect. That's super cool. All right, number three, you acknowledge the power of the gods, but you think that. Most events are dictated by pure chance. Oh. And that's when the luck god appears in your yes. room and says, hey, yes. let's make a deal. Just flipping a coin. <laughs> uh, what does a coin look like with three sides? Well, he can tell you. Uh, number four. Even though you can work divine magic, you have never truly felt the presence of a divine essence within yourself. Ooh, Ooh. I like this. I like the idea of... Um, Maybe the, the god kind of talks to all the clerics, but you're a cleric that has all the same abilities. In fact, you're really good at combat and spells and stuff, but you've just never heard the voice. And maybe you're just like pretending. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, Arion, uh, the goddess of light. Yeah, she's she's great. She talks to me all the time. 
you can have a twist <laughs> where this cleric is struggling in his order because he's the only one who's not heard the voice. Um, but you learn much later that no one, no oh, one ever has so heard the voice. Good. Oh, they're and all pretending. They're all pretend, and it's a big <sighs> lie. Oh, that's so good. That's mm. really good. That's great. Number oh, five, man. you are plagued by nightmares that you believe are sent by your god as punishment for some unknown transgression. Oh, or perhaps like, it's a vision of the future. Oh, like you don't know what you did wrong. Or like maybe even you're, maybe you didn't do anything wrong and it's just like random punishment. I don't know. That that could be interesting. Or just a warlock patron who's just taunting you. There's uh, a lot of room to, to like multi-class into warlock. I did, yeah. I mean, I think Warlock. to kind of get a little off track, I think um, this brings up a really good, interesting thing about nightmares. Um, I think nightmares, prophetic vision, stuff like that can be amazing fuel for stories as a dungeon master. Mm-hmm. Because when you go to sleep, especially in a safe place, like you're in a tavern or you're in the biggest city and you're sleeping in like a nice inn, it's like you're not going to have to roll, you know, for anything. Like you're not going to be attacked in the night. But Instead of just having, okay, eight hours passes, you guys get a long rest, you're good to go, have them interrupted by a nightmare. Mm. Um, especially like a warlock or a paladin or a cleric or anyone that deals with the gods or some pantheon or some hierarchy or some great power in another realm. Have them interact. Like just have them hear like a random voice or like a random yeah. phrase um, or, or even like role play a nightmare with them um, can be incredibly um, flavorful and can add so much to a backstory, especially if you collaborate with the player beforehand. Um, be good. Yeah, nightmares are or Even dreams, dreams or visions. In general, like yeah, that, yeah, are great. Are super great. I think there's a table in Xanathar's for random dreams, but I could be wrong. Hmm. Finally, number six. In times of despair, you feel that you are but a plaything of the gods, and you resent their remoteness. Oh, that's good. See, that's a good way to fit that atheism angle in, where you you understand the gods are real, but they they don't care. They, they don't care about you. Yeah. You do their will, but they don't care. And that is perhaps a more scary question than the gods don't exist, or do the gods exist? Would be the question. But yeah. Do they, so the gods no, exist and they don't. They don't care. That's interesting. Yeah. So, for me, the main difference in a cleric and a warlock is the warlocks have patrons who are directly involved in their character and their character's actions whereas clerics the gods seem very distant they don't always directly from what i understand it's not a patronage thing yeah it's not a patronage like you serve them but it's kind of like you're serving like the idea of them and they don't talk to you necessarily they don't like they don't directly address you it's huh it if they feel very just distant that's interesting i um yeah cause i think that does make sense like you're almost in my world it's the order of the gauntlet um and and you're kind of like yeah you're serving the organization and like the ideal like you said david of the god yeah as opposed to like talking to the goddess of light every day um mm-hmm. what whereas a patron is like involved in a warlock's life and they're yeah. like <laughs> but like at the same thing, this last thing we read, right? You feel that you are but a plaything of the gods. I feel like the cool thing about the warlock is that you know you're a plaything <laughs> of yes. this patron. And you're like, you know what? That deal sounds good. I'll, it'll still – I can make this work. <laughs> Whereas, like, if you're a cleric, you're like, no, no, no. I, I believe in this. I can do good. 
and I hope I'm not a plaything of the gods. Um, and that's why this doubt, this secret works really well. Oh, yeah, it's so interesting. Have you ever heard of anyone having a structure to their clerical religion that's more like um, like having a pope, right? Like there's a person in your organization who definitely hears the commands of the gods, and then they pass that down through the chain of command, and the cleric is somewhere t- like near the middle or bottom. Oh, that's really interesting. And so they they don't directly interact, They but they can still pray. Oh. But you have to talk to your handler. Your and trust the hierarchy? Yes. That's that's really fascinating because for me, they, they've always kind of been able to – I think it's just because as a DM, I can't resist the urge to like <laughs> talk to my players as a god. Um, but that is really interesting if like you have to trust in the hierarchy more than like a personal prayer. Yeah. Like you're like, I don't know. We'll have to wait for orders from the, uh, you know, the archdeacon, <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's super cool. You, um, in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, at one point in one of the quest lines – um, you are getting instructions from your higher ups, but you learn later that your dead drops, your instructions, were um, taken over, subverted by a different, like someone within the organization with different goals. And so you've been killing people who should not have been killed. So imagine oh. that your superior has misdirected your abilities that don't align with your beliefs. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. that's super cool. Mm. Oh, man. Or like even finding out that... um. <laughs> that you're like archpope or deacon or whatever that you're listening to in the hierarchy has been listening to his own imp. Oh. And like that imp has been oh, directing no. everything else. <laughs> or even more simply, a doppelganger has oh, killed yeah. and replaced that pope 10 and years ago. given orders, yeah. And, and so the religion years. has changed completely and has turned into um, like a crusade or a genocide. That's oh a great God. hook. Oh my that God. is. This That's is super great. <sighs> well... That was a random table talk. Um, (laughs) I had a good time. I hope you did too. (laughs) All right. And that is episode 32, folks. (laughs) Kishonk. Kishonk. (laughs) Let's move into the core features of the class. um, And then we'll talk about subclasses, of which there are many for this one. All right. Well, um, notably, the the cleric has proficiencies in maces or warhammers. This is definitely... This is definitely a throwback to clerics only being able to use blunt weapons. Oh, that is weird. Okay, interesting. So it kind of captured that flavor. Yeah. Um, they also get an ability that is super versatile called Channel Divinity. So Channel Divinity is, uh, you can use it a couple of times a day, I think, uh, to turn undead and destroy undead initially as your core feature. Uh, but all of these subclasses will also unlock an additional use of your Channel Divinity. Um, and they're all very different and flavorful and powerful. So it's kind of like a spell, but it's a class ability that, that does things that spells don't do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that here in a sec. Um, and then this one really threw me for a loop when, uh, back in 2014 when I was learning how to play D&D 5e. Um, and that's the, the way cleric spells work. So a wizard needs to find and scribe spells into their spell book. Mm-hmm. A um, warlock has a small selection. Uh, and I think Sorcerer also has his own list. But the Cleric can access all of the spells in the game, the for core clerics. spells, for Clerics. Yeah. Um, but you're only limited by how many you can prepare per day. And they change every day depending on what you want. So that's pretty cool because you just have a much oh. wider access and more options to select. But you still and have that to does set make at sense. the beginning of the day what spells you have. So it's like, oh, today I didn't prepare create food and water so looks like we're going hungry (laughs) 
this is really interesting because um, I feel like it makes sense if, um, you know, like wizards are kind of looking for all of these hidden arcane knowledge that's, you know, hidden in books and spell scrolls and all this stuff. But if you're a cleric, I feel like you are kind of in an organization or familiar with a god in a way that like it wouldn't make sense for there to be spells that were hidden from you. Right. Right. Like you should, you would have the knowledge and then you just have to figure out what you want to prepare for the day. I feel like that fits with the cleric really well. It is really cool. Um, And then it's so flavorful that when you pick a subclass, you gain access to a bunch of different spells in addition to that core set. Because it makes sense that like a death cleric would have these necromantic understandings. And maybe that's because the god uh, or the patron or whoever has whispered the secrets into it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Let's talk about the knowledge cleric, the domain of knowledge. I've titled it the academic cleric. Um, you gain proficiencies, your channel divinity. Um, <laughs> David, prepare to have your mind blown by the power of this channel divinity. Oh. <laughs> it's called Knowledge of the Ages. It will allow you to know how to use a skill or tool proficiency for 10 minutes. So he's <laughs> so he walks in. Um, I've banned this from my game. It's too powerful. He walks in and there's like a... a still or a brewery station and he's like oh i wish i knew how to do that and he prays and the god's like you know how to make beer now and he's like bless you bless you <laughs> for only 10 minutes he walks though. into this myth like i know how to use that want to see oh and he just for like 10 minutes he sits down prays and then just starts <laughs> for the, hammering for the next 10 he's minutes like, only all right <laughs> i'm gonna come back tomorrow oh, and finish oh, this shoot um this fits so well, though, like th- this is so flavorful, mm-hmm. but I think it just speaks to a lack of <laughs> relevancy, mechanical of tool- relevance. Yeah, yeah, it's a lack of the mechanics. Like, like tool proficiency isn't used that much. You like, like the really the only time you use tool proficiencies is um, well, like lock picking. So there's like th- there's like and- three tools. There's the thieves' tools kit. There's like maybe a poisoner's kit, and then like maybe a no. There's a- They've added there's a ton. Brewers I mean, kit. I, there's more. I'm saying there's like three, like four relevant ones. Yeah, the relevant poisoners ones. kit, the thieves Everything kit. Everything else is pretty niche. The bottom line is this fits the flavor of a knowledge cleric really well, but it's just not going to be relevant in 99% of 5e You also games. have to lug around every single toolkit, basically, in order to... Or, I mean, your friends would probably them. have a pretty good spread of them. Um, I mean, if I was to change this, like you could make it so they they have a skill or tool proficiency for the rest of the day, and it's still no good. I think I think it'd be interesting to like have it to where like you have like a toolkit, and it turns into whatever toolkit <clears throat> you want to gain proficiency in. Okay, so it's Ooh, like yeah, that that would be good. Or just using this more like leaning more into the skill things. Like you get advantage on one skill check a day. Like that's really good. Yeah, that could be good. Like, you ch- can channel yeah. advantage to yourself. You, it becomes kind of a skill monkey oh, class. No. <laughs> the skill monkey's uh-uh. back. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, you also can use your channel divinity to read thoughts. Um, it says you can read a creature's thoughts, cast the suggestion spell on them. Ooh. So not only can I understand you, but I will make you obey. Huh. Oh, my Interesting. Finally, you unlock visions of the past. 
It's almost like a holographic security camera. Uh, it gives you insight into who owned objects and significant, significant events. So if you remember in the first oh, Guardians of the Galaxy, cool. he walks into this village and he turns on this gadget and you see people walking and yeah. dogs and stuff. This Ooh. is exactly that idea. Oh, I love that. Oh my God, that gives that gives like a portal, a flavor portal. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Through like the Dungeon Master can work with this and make this some is, cool stuff. This is just and can the... reveal some cool stuff. Yeah. I can see visions of the past and really this whole knowledge cleric idea um, as crime scene investigators. Ooh. So that you always will see these clerics oh, whenever yeah. there's any doubt about like a conversation that happened, an argument between people. And this would change the justice system. Whoa, the this Sherlock would. Holmes, like, the, right, like, like, there's murder logically, is now 100% guaranteed justice. And also undoable because you're a cleric and you can revive. That's true. Well, that's, so he goes in and he's like cleaning this up. And it's like figure it's, out who did it's this. expensive to bring a person back to life, though. You probably just speak with dead and then get it over. You guys should take it out. Boring, useless, <laughs> <laughs> um, useless. So, bottom line, I think this domain is really interesting, but it would take a very devoted role player that has a very specific character in mind. And compared to the other subclasses, I don't know. I don't know who would pick this. You know, it's kind of far down on the list. Hmm. It's, you know, one of my issues with D&D is that there's so many things that are world changing that it's impossible to anticipate <laughs> how society would change. We just generally think of it as the exact same as Earth, but now we don't have cell phones or cars. Uh, and now there's also some like magic. What, yeah. what if we could have a, a game where the players build their character, but also read every feature and every spell and anticipate here's how the world would change from my character? And they write almost like a thesis. And then they give that to the GM. And he spends like a year building a world that takes into account. It has a logically consistent. Yes. And uh, then he brings brings that final conclusion to the players and says, here is the world. Oh, my gosh. So um, one of the things that that this reminds me of, um, I'm reading through the Dragon Heist book. um, And eventually in one of the plot points um, in one of the seasons, you're trying to... um, get some guy who's going on trial you're trying to get him freed so you basically can kind of go into the courtroom and try to act as a lawyer to try to get this guy out of his crime because you Mm. need information for him from him um and he only agreed to give you information if you could get him out of this crime but the judge can read thoughts and so it's like holy like that changes everything like even the most swarmy, charismatic charlatan lawyer doesn't can't change. Yeah, like she can read thoughts, and so it's like it's it's really cool to see that. It's like yeah, if like magic exists in the world, the justice, the justice system changes like inherently, and it's really cool to see that in action. Um, so yeah, including little bits like that, like the knowledge domain would imply a change of the world. I think the. <laughs> That's interesting. So when I think about magic being involved in the world, uh, I I like to think of it as um, there's uh, there's like the I forget what it's called, but um, it's kind of like the eighty twenty rule, or um, there's a there's another specific mathematical term where like the distribution of like people who would be good at magic, like the people who are at the very like the one percent. The, the top oh. magic users, like, in the world, there's only, like, like 0.001% mm-hmm. of them would be, like, 20th level. And everyone else is just, like, exponentially less powerful. So, like, in general, like, 
eighty percent of like people don't use magic, then like twenty percent of them are level like one or above. Mm. And then out of those eighty percent of level one magic users, only twenty percent of those would be level two or above. And it just goes exponentially less and less and less powerful right. over time because in order to have like magic be significant in the world you're not going to be having everybody be able to read thoughts otherwise that just destroys yeah. oh yeah the yeah. game so it's like having that one like having one town where they have a judge who can read thoughts like that would be interesting to explore yeah but i don't know if i'd want to have every single town in dnd be you know everyone can read your mind so it's like we all know well, you're guilty already exactly I, th- I think that adds to the mystery though because mm-hmm. even with that that bell curve um you don't know where people lie on it yeah. So it's like it's yeah. like oh my gosh, like this person, I'm gonna try to roll deception, and like you don't know they could have the read thought spell, like they could be you know like a level fifteen wizard, um, and so it's like yeah, I I find that more fun, but yeah. it takes a lot of work on the DM's behalf to make a world that is consistent with a very select few people being really, really, really good at magic, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just a few hundred. Yeah, it changes. Yeah, it's... And I think that's fun, right? Because your players aren't expecting it, but when you drop little stuff like that in, they're like, oh, yeah, obviously. Like, the world would change in that way. It's, uh, which will, uh, verisimilitude. Yes, dude, verisimilitude is... yeah. Uh, have I told you about this this novel I'm anxious to read about? Um, I feel like I've told other people this, uh, and I don't know the name of it. So if you know it, email me. Um, but it's a book about uh, it's like 20 minutes into the future. It's just Earth, but slightly later. And uh-huh. um, th- the idea is that people have invented stable teleportation technology. Huh. And so the the author of this book spent a year or two, I think, just thinking through the implications of how this changes the world. Oh, and in the article I read, he says that means that um, roads are no longer maintained because no one's going to use them. Air travel is a thing of the past. Like nobody's going to buy an airline ticket, so airports shipping, are gone. Shipping and is hotels, non-existent. hotels, and the travel industry is gone because you don't Whoa. need to stay anywhere. You can just get there. And then um, also boats, like any any cargo that's shipped overseas is gone. And so, Whoa. and that was just like his blurb in the in the interview. But it's just cool because he's thought through every part of this one change. And so I think thinking through changes as far as D and D does, <laughs> um, you you can't possibly anticipate every need. Yeah, I think I think that's the challenge, right? We see that and like that daunting. This guy spent a year judging the verisimilitude of a world. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think spending a little bit of time. To be like, okay, this little thing would be a cool thing to be like, surprise the players with. And they'd be like, that's not fair. But like, wait, that makes sense with magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so little things like that to add in there, just just add so much, you know, and, and show. Even when we were talking about, I remember we were talking about the owlbear uh, <laughs> in, in, the, uh, in the creature feature of one of our last episodes. And like, I like the idea of just, yeah, it's a bear that's half owl. It's like, yeah, you're not in medieval Europe. Like, there's a little thing that's tweaked that shows this world is magical. And you can do that all over. Um, just think of ways that spells could affect the world. And, I mean, yeah, even minor illusion. Guys, we can do a whole episode on this. Like, how how spells wreck a universe. <laughs> Let's, I, I'm going to suggest that we talk about this in our next episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, because I've written I mean, my you, blog you, series like, on normally this. Normally, we think about, like, Wish, 
just being like, oh yeah, Wish is the one that destroys all games, but like all spells destroy games. You can create water or destroy water. Like yeah. that is a f- fundamental violation of um, the laws of physics. That yeah. allows civilization to exist in a desert that's a hundred miles wide, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, honestly, Will, that article you made about resurrection was one of my favorite <laughs> articles because it was like, yeah, logically, if this existed, rich people couldn't die. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's like, oh, there's a um, yeah. a Netflix show. It's called Altered Carbon. Have I told you about oh, this? Oh, yes, yes. I've seen the first episode. Yeah, and so like the, the implication of just extreme technology pushed and applied in such a way like creates immortality and creates situations where you can like clone yourself by putting your consciousness in multiple bodies. Oh, and, yeah. Um, I very much recommend that show because it was eye-opening. All right, we should move on. The next subclass we have is the Life Domain. Um, it's just the healer. If you want to be a cleric who is the best at healing... This is the one to pick. So um, this is the cleric's cleric, right? This is what I think of when I think of a cleric. Yeah, this is the World of Warcraft priest that, that yeah. everyone craves. This but is the good boy class, the best boy, yeah, the best boy. So obviously, mm-hmm. you get improved healing, uh, but now your channel divinity gives you preserve life. So it's essentially like lay on hands, the paladin ability. So good, um, yeah. It gives you a, uh, a, I believe a, it restores hit points equal to a number equal to five times your cleric level. And obviously, you can do that a couple times a day. It's wow. better as you level. That's basically lay on hands. Yeah. That's super good. Super good. And um, you also deal extra weapon damage. So in addition to just healing better, it does boost your melee damage a little bit. It gives you radiant, 1d8 radiant damage on top of your attack. So that's nice. Huh. It is, this is like literally when I imagine a cleric. It's it's a life cleric. It mm-hmm. is like the epitome of, of clericness, the clerical nature. <laughs> <laughs> Um, any any other thoughts on this? I think this this class requires um, really you wanting to be a support role. Yeah, like like it really requires you to be like, okay, I'm going to be a healer, which is something I you know I come from kind of RPGs and MMOs where um, you need a designated healer. You can't just run into a dungeon with five DPS, you know, mm-hmm. or five tanks. It doesn't work. Um, and so a lot of times you kind of fall into this like, oh my gosh, is this is our party going to work? We don't have a healer. Um, but you don't – 5e is pretty good about that, of, of kind of balancing out everything where almost any group of, of three to five players can work. Um, but this is the one where it's like this is the designated healer. This is d d 5th edition's healer's healer, and it, it is good at what it does. At level 17, you get Supreme Healing, and it says whenever you would roll dice for a healing spell, you just take the maximum value for that. Oh, God. So a 2d6 heal now will be 12, 100%. Like, I'm imagining a player... Okay, I'm imagining a party, and it's it's one life cleric and four berserker barbarians. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, as a dungeon master, it's like, I can't kill them. <laughs> it's like, I can't. Yeah, but if you take out the cleric, I, then... <laughs> that's true, but like... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting to see. Oh, like this is so support. Like this, man. If you want survivability, like this, a life cleric in your party will. I save wonder if there's the like day an interesting combination of classes that that just could never die. Mm-hmm. Like they're always like casting spells that like either healing or that are just like preventing them from taking damage. So instead of think... instead of beating people through like dealing the most damage it's just through like outlasting them forever i honestly think a life cleric 
a forge cleric and three uh, zealot barbarians that can be rezzed instantly, like as rules is oh written. Oh my gosh. That you could not defeat them. Like, <laughs> like I'm as a dungeon master, you'd have to throw like 12 tarasks at them. <laughs> It'd be a long and boring fight. Yeah, it would be. It, you know, we, it would be like a 10 hour fight. <laughs> Next is the Domain of Light. This is uh, truth, vigilance, and beauty is what I describe it as. The Channel Divinity lets you dispel magical darkness. So that's good because it's always like, it makes sense. You, you have light. And then you have many ways to create light, including um, like in, in a radius. Yeah, that's, that's about it actually. I mean, this helps a lot in dungeons. I mean, just as someone who is in my past few games, I have used spellcasters use darkness a ton um and even in my party there is a shadow a sorcerer and i'm like oh he'll be able to handle this darkness but then he was like no i can't see through darkness i can only see through darkness that i cast oh what and, and so it's like it's no no that's that's is that is is written that rules is written oh, yeah I didn't yeah know that. <laughs> yeah that's and, so dumb i well and so i yeah i'm working on giving him a magic item that can see through all darkness but um yeah rules is written like d- darkness is really good um, and so having a light cleric that can just like shine through magical darkness, especially deep in, you know, caves or caverns or dungeons um, and even the, you know, darkness, the magical spell, this helps a lot. This gives you a lot of like, um, you know, just visibility and and yeah, I think of this this cleric. I I, I think I told you guys about this at the um, they did uh, the Curse of Strahd campaign and they were all. Uh, I think they were all light clerics, <laughs> and they just like laser beamed Strahd to That's death. That's right. That's right. <laughs> because like he's you know no they were vampires soul are monks right yeah yeah it was it was like all of the light you know <laughs> it was like divine soul oh sorcerer the sun soul monk the uh, uh, angel warlock and then a light cleric and they just <laughs> I just like laser beamed Strahd to death the second he showed up. <laughs> <laughs> um but i i like the flavor of this i like the idea of just like righteous radiant damage it, it's fun I, I think you have a really interesting point in talking about uh, darkness being a uh a very fun tool to use as a dungeon master oh, because yeah. it can really negate a lot of like what players can do Visibility. drawing like magical darkness or even just non-magical if they don't have dark vision because you get disadvantage on basically any check that relies on sight yeah. if you if you're in the darkness which is super like hard to beat as a player like if you're fighting in darkness and you can't see like that's that's tough yeah and that will that negates a lot of like party features hmm. next we have the nature domain the green way uh, this is we talked about that cleric in the outer realms or the outer planes who was born in the uh, or Feywild. Yes, he wasn't born Feywild. in the Feywild. He worked in the temple in the Feywild, mm-hmm. and uh-huh. this is that guy. Um, he's, it's all about nature. So that your channel divinity can now charm animals and plants. You can, I believe, you can communicate with them. Um, you get an ability called dampen elements. I prefer to call it moisten elements. Ooh, um, <laughs> that do. Uh, what that does is it, it reduces uh, acid, cold, fire, lightning, and or thunder damage. 
Um, Interesting. When you or a creature within 30 feet takes that kind of damage. So just by being around you, your friends are more moistened and resistant to (laughs) (laughs) elemental damage. So I think um, nature, I think the cleric in general um, is really messes with the dungeon master the most, right? Like, because if you're like, I'm going to throw five undead at the party. If there's a cleric in the party who can turn undead, you're you're gonna have to be like, okay, I, should I double or triple that? Right? You can, you can um, really clear a room fast with turn undead. Yeah, and the same thing with this with the nature cleric is the dampen elements. It's like, okay, I have a, you know a bunch of we'll say um, fire elementals. Um, you know, it's like, should I add another one in because the, like the cleric can can lower the damage done by any element, including fire, within thirty feet. It's like. Dang, you really have to – the cleric so, is probably the, the highest on the list of, of classes you have to look out for that you have to alter your encounters for. So if you're really worried about challenging your players, all you have to do is you have to track your players' resources. And instead of throwing 100 undead at them in the first room so that they can turn undead and kill them all, you throw five of them at a time because you can only use turn undead a limited number of times. Oh my god, so that's... The, David, then, you're a monster. <laughs> it is a monster fighting game, so... <laughs> no, um, like, that's so true. That, like, But I mean, yeah. I mean, how often are you going to have, you know, be surrounded by a hundred enemies? And, okay. like, you're going to be able to maximize your abilities against all of them. Like you, that's you wanna, so true. You want to you want to force them to be like, hey, do I want to use this now or risk still having more later on? So oh. they have to decide whether they want to keep their ability or use it. That's so devious, and I I completely agree. I think dungeon masters have to really look at the resources of players. Um, I think in, in my game last night, um, they ended their session the previous week um, at midnight, where they had already been fighting all day. So they had like, you know, a few guys had, you know, single digit hit points, like they're in bad shape. They're out of spell slots. (laughs) And so then it was Halloween night and I'm like, okay, welcome to the haunted house. And they were, they were more panicked because they're they're like, I have one spell slot left. So like the sorcerer's like, okay, I can convert sorcery points into spell slots. Like like, Like they're panicking. Because of the lack of resources. And I think that is kind of a true art of being a dungeon master is being able to know their resources and know that, yeah, you shouldn't send a thousand undead that they can turn in a second. You Mm -hmm. should send a few undead at a time so that the fifth wave of undead horrifies them because they look at the cleric and he goes... I'm out of spell slots. <laughs> He's like, I'm I'm just like so I'm imagining it's kind of like the way it like turn undead works is it's like a bell that you ring and like you just like he keeps like clanging it as they come, but eventually the bell disappears and like oh. he just gets mobbed over by zombies. Oh, this is some like walking dead stuff. I love it. Yeah, imagine like running out of light. Yeah. Yeah. Flashlight goes dead. <laughs> like it just starts fading and you're just like in the middle of a dungeon and it's like, That's well, what funny. do I do now? I um I'm gearing up to run um probably late this year early next year um, a big it's not really a mega dungeon it's a series of small dungeons that uh, if with my old D and D rules that I'm like heavily modifying oh yeah and it's like figuring out how to have players track resources in a way that's not cumbersome which we talked about this in the exploration episode um but also um what's the right word just making making putting players in positions where 
they don't have the resources they want almost ever. They and, have and it, to make suboptimal decisions. Yeah, and and the yeah. old D and D system is so perfect for that. It and is really, really good at that. Yeah, <laughs> that's something I I am jealous of that because it's like you go in there, um, and even like you said, the cleric at level one doesn't have spell slots, but the cleric knows if I survive to level two. I will be able to help this party. So if there's combat at level one, logically, the cleric should sprint away and try to survive to get to level two. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, it, it, it presents a whole new set of problems that seem almost strange with 5e. Like, it's right. really good. Um, so actually, I'm, I'm pretty happy because on Sunday, they're going to go into the Thane of the Night Serpent in Omu. Yes. And I'm going to try to test out some of the methodologies and the tracking that I'm going to be using the, the, the new old game um, in 5e just to see how it works. Oh, good. good. Yeah, that, that's great. That'll um, be interesting. Like, yeah, so it's like a softer touch, I think. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, next is the Tempest. This is a weather uh, and ocean type of cleric which is interesting that it's these two things together it's not just a storm and it's not just the sea so you get wrath of the storm uh it's kind of a um like thorns damage to put it in diablo terms if somebody hits you they get hurt back by damage yeah your channel divinity is destructive wrath uh any spell that deals lightning or thunder damage now deals max damage oh that's that's really good that's really fun and then um because there's a storm this also unlocks the ability to fly at higher levels so you just i imagine you make a tornado up here underneath you and you just push yourself around yes oh my gosh this one this one seems really strong yeah like being at the mobility of fly maxed with like but you don't get it till 17 so yeah well even like the destructive wrath like lightning and thunder deal max damage Mm -hmm. for spells that's that's underrated that's super good it is good yeah, this is really fun. I, I'm trying to think of the type of character who would be worshiping the god of the storm and sea, and I, and I think it must be a sailor type. Ooh. It'd be a sailor. I think it'd be more like kind of Norse mythology. Mm. Like you, you come from a land that's you know of, of Viking raiders or something. I don't know. It's a weird like Aquaman type figure. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. 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 Comes you're with a sea elf. Tide. Comes with the king tide. And then uh, after Tempest is the Domain of Trickery. Um, (laughs) This one is not very good. It came out in the original Player's Handbook. Uh, From what I understand, it's kind of underpowered, but it's almost like a rogue or a type of bard that's a cleric. So you get Blessing of the Trickster, which gives someone advantage on stealth rolls for one hour. Let me pull this up. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Oh, man, this could be fun. Trickster, and then... um, the channel divinity is cool. It lets you clone yourself. It's like this illusory, illusory clone. Um, and as you get higher in levels, eventually you'll get four duplicates. So just imagine four, rather five versions of yourself all sitting there casting. So it's very hard to get hurt. Oh, this is this. Oh, this is what Laura Bailey is. Uh, yep. Jester mm-hmm. in the uh, critical role. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's a two. jester, but she's a cleric. She's a yeah. Yeah. She's a trickery. She's a trickery. Cleric. cleric. That's fun. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, the other one is uh, Channel Divinity Cloak of Shadows. It lets you turn yourself invisible. This, so this is good. I feel like it fits more with almost a multi-class with either mm-hmm. Bard or Rogue. But but man, this 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 just adds a lot of options, especially if you're in like a Waterdeep campaign or like an urban setting. 
this this could help a ton if you're getting in, in some mischief. <laughs> uh, next is War. I think this is the last of the core... Um, last of the core subclasses from the player's handbook. Mm-hmm. Um, the domain of war is really cool. Um, it makes you more like a paladin because you're you're going to be boosting up your attack. So you unlock War Priest, which gives you an extra attack, which is vital for doing damage yes. in this game. Yeah. Channel di- di- your channel divinity can give you plus 10 accuracy on your attack rolls. So uh, that's, what, at least twice a day starting out. Um, Whoa. You're going to be plus 10 on some attacks. So when you need you're to hitting. hit, you're going to hit. Yeah. You're just bonking yeah. pool. Unless you roll a one. <laughs> Doinking them, dude. Bonking Doinking them, dude. Um, <laughs> Doink them. Later, you get, um, it almost seems like an upgrade of that, the War God's Blessing channel divinity, and now you can grant allies that plus 10 to attack as well. So this could be really oh. good for like um, a ranger or a ranged a fighter where they're doing like a cold shot. Or you're buffing a rogue who's doing, you know, snipe. Sneak attack. Sneak attack. Yeah, Sneak snipe. a toik. Sneak a doink. Sneak a doink. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. that's super good though that that's insane like oh especially Thriller, against like a really armored creature right you know because some of the higher um cr creatures you know they got they've got good ac and so you need that plus 10 like that's oh that's nice yeah um and then um later it's going to increase your weapon damage and uh, at level 17 you get avatar of battle which lets you resist all non-magical damage well, oh, bludgeoning, piercing, good. slashing. So that's that's pretty cool. You're just wading into the thick of battle, buffing, blessing, crushing. <laughs> that's good. It's my life motto. Mm. Yeah, th- this one would be fun. I don't know, like having a... I'm trying to think, like, it, this does kind of bring a kind of crusade aesthetic that you were talking about earlier, David. Mm. Like, yep. it's like, my domain is war. Like, my job is to to fight destroy these people like my job is to conquer and destroy and help win this battle this war um yeah that this that could be good yeah i really like this one yeah the personality that i'm getting from a war cleric is so different from the rest of these because instead of being this servant who's like this loyal like you know he's the um (laughs) <laughs> the pole that the group is is tied to that keeps them stable and this guy uh, the war guy is in the front line is just wrecking yeah yeah next we have the death domain this came out of the dungeon master's guide as an example of what a i think what a custom subclass could look like pretty but much now, what a villain could look villain. like yeah yeah, yeah. um this one is uh, like a necromancer so as the death domain you gain proficiency with martial weapons so you can expand your options which is funny that the rest of these don't come with that necessarily uh you learn you can learn any necromancy school cantrip and now whatever it is it targets two targets instead of just one oh that's cool that's cool your channel divinity is the touch of death you will deal extra damage with attacks and then as you level up eventually you like ignore their resistances oh i love that Hmm. um uh, your weapons deal more damage, and then finally, at the high levels, your necromancy spells target two creatures instead of one. So there is this idea of like oh. dupl- like cloning your uh, effectiveness of your spells. That gets like to to that point. I love the idea of like raise undead, raise undead, raise undead. Suddenly, instead of having three creatures, you've got four. Or sorry, <laughs> math. Uh, you've got <laughs> you've got six. Like um, th- and that's super cool. I love the idea of raising an army of undead. Um, and it's harder to do, like, rules as written. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to really do the math of, like, okay, how many creatures can I have up and how long are they up until they fall over? 
Um, but I think I, th- I think this one gets into the closest domain of raising people from the dead in a large quantity. Hmm. Yeah. It's definitely not quality raising of the dead. <laughs> it's all about quantity mm-hmm. with the dead. Uh, next is the Forge Domain. This is from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Um, the Crafter of Your Doom. Uh, this one is all about that fantasy of... I, I always picture clerics as dwarves for some reason, but this guy who's forging, like he's hammering an anvil, he's wearing that big yes. heavy apron. The first thing you get is proficiency with heavy armor and smith's tools. Because as we know, tool proficiencies are so useful. And we all love them. Yum. Um, hey, that heavy armor thing, though. Yeah, that's a game changer, for real. Um, all right, this one's cool. It's called Blessing of the Forge. Let me pull it up. So... Um, Blessing of the Forge. I'm, I'm picturing Torbjorn from uh, Overwatch when I see this guy. It says, you can grant a weapon or armor a magical plus one once per long rest. That's, the, if you want your AC high, this is where you go. This is super, super good. Does it stack? It doesn't say it doesn't. Yeah. No, it definitely stacks. It Why would does. it not? So every, well, I guess because your armor is one thing. So you're always going to have a plus one armor. Always have a plus one weapon. Um, no, no, you pick no, you one. one you either pick the weapon or the armor. Oh. Uh, yeah. So most people pick the armor because it's way easier to get it like a magic weapon. Like AC one. is hard to come by in 5e. Wait, so maybe I'm crazy here, but it just says you choose one, you imbue it. At the end of the long rest, you touch one non-magical object with a suit of armor or a martial weapon. It becomes yeah. magical, granting AC bonus or bonus attack roll. Once you use yeah. this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. It doesn't say just, it goes away from the first one. Yeah, it does. It says it lasts until the end of your next long rest. Or yeah. until you So it, it lasts, uh, yeah. It just lasts for 24 hours or whatever. For 24 hours. And your next long rest. Oh, I see. Yeah. So you, okay. you can't. <laughs> I was thinking you just like. At level have 20, you have like 50 AC. No, because it should be <laughs> plus one. Anyway, so yeah, you can. Um, that's kind of cool. So in addition to preparing spells, you can kind of say, like, I want to be more tanky today or more offensive. Yeah. Or if you're Jake, you're just always offensive. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if, in real life, I want to be more offensive. Um, but in, in D&D, AC is worth its weight in gold. And For so real. For I real. really... This is how you get beefy, beefy AF. Boys. You can get so much AC from Forge Cleric. Uh, you can channel your divinity to create simple items. This is very fun. It's called the Artisan's Blessing. Um, really, you can you can create suits of armor, ammunition, tools, or other metal objects. Basically, anything from the equipment list in the player's handbook. So this is something that isn't... You, you think, like, okay, whatever. But, like, say you're in a pit. Like, you can create a ladder. Hmm. Like, like, you can create stuff that, like, helps in a dungeon so much. Well, you're right, because it doesn't require a forge. It's just an hour-long ritual. So yeah. you're kind of just, like meditating and a ladder grows out of your forehead yeah, and you break it off <laughs> and climb up because oh. i always imagined it as kind of a mobile forge um but really it is like you are summoning a creation of an item so it's like yeah you can make a super long ladder or you can make um maybe even a key for hmm. a keyhole like if if your oh. dm is flexible um there's a lot you can do with a simple item especially if you're stuck in a dungeon that's great uh next you unlock the ability to resist fire damage, which is really useful because fire is incredibly common, it's common. in this game. Yeah. Um, and now, like, ima- okay, this like imagine someone heating metal on you, and you're just like, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> so My fun. skin loves the feel of fire. 
<laughs> so uh, that's the soul of the forge at level six. You resist fire damage, and also your heavy armor grants you another plus one AC. Isn't that okay? Now we're getting insane. So it's right? heavy. It's magically imbued from your other forge thing, the blessing of the forge, and now the soul of the forge means that what your skin is just more metal another than man plus one. <laughs> No, but at this point, so this is something that one of my characters said. He's like, I just want to be tanky as hell. And he um, multi-class just one level in fighter. And you can get defensive stance, which is mm. another plus one AC. And it's like at that point, you are just astronomically <laughs> beefy. You cannot be hit. You are tanky as hell. And that is, that's fun to play as like a character who's like, I dare you to hit me, DM. Like it's going to take some good rolls. Um, yeah, this is the, this is the tank's tank. It's interesting because, um, reading through Dragon Heist, I'm not going to say any spoilers, but they talk about in Waterdeep how nobody really openly carries weapons or wears armor. Like you're not allowed to have long blades. So everyone uses daggers or short swords, basically. So it's weird for a person to be walking around in armor. So for... Like, if you're, like, a cleric like this, like, do you go and do you just go against the norm and be constantly, like, be suspicious to everyone you're interacting with because you're always wearing, like, this super heavy plate mail armor? Mm. Or do you take it off and lose all of that bonus to your AC? Like, that's just an interesting thing to consider. Yeah, that is weird. I don't have that in my water deep. That's wild. You know, like, paladins can't mm. walk around in armor. It's not that they can't, it's just, it's uncommon and people think of you weirdly because it's like, why would you go into like a store wearing full armor? You're just like, the shopkeeper's going to be like, that's suspicious. Like, like, nobody's going to want to deal with someone who's like ready for a fight all the time. I'm trying to think of this in our terms, like in modern terms and like a lot in a lot of states. I imagine it's just like carrying like a shotgun on your back. Yeah. Like you can carry around an AR-15 on your back. And, like, if you see someone carrying an assault rifle in their back, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, this guy's, whoa, like, it would be a weird thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like you're would... already pretty cautious around cops. <laughs> right. But, like, cop... this is someone who isn't a police officer, an officer of the law. They haven't <laughs> opened, like, like weapons and armor. And it's like. Yeah, that is um, weird. Like, that does make sense. Like, though. imagine walking around and seeing someone with a bulletproof vest to target. Like, <laughs> do you want to be around that person? Like, that, that would make people nervous. For like, sure. I wouldn't want to be around that because it's like, if they're expecting to get shot, like, should I be if they're if I'm near <laughs> them? Like, these are like interesting considerations to have when you're role playing your game because, mm. like, you can have people interact differently with, like, a cleric if they're in a town where it's not common to be wearing armor. Hmm. That's really cool. Good point, David. Hmm. So, um, but, 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 so you're plus one armor from AC. You will also deal extra damage with your attacks because that's just D and D. Forge then, is hot. Um, at the, the forge is hot. And at level mm-hmm. seventeen, you are now completely immune to fire damage. And while you're wearing heavy armor, you resist all non-magical uh, weapon damage. God, th- that like I I'm imagining a scene where the villain is like. <laughs> And does heat metal on the Forge Cleric, and the Forge Cleric is just fine. It's just, like, heat it up all you want. 
He's like, you need help with that? And he like starts, he pulls out like the, the, the thing that stokes the fire and he starts pumping it up on himself. And he's like, oh, I could get hotter. <laughs> Is that the best you could do? So imagine a cleric wearing full plate, but it's super heated. Like it's glowing oh, red. Oh, and yeah, he man. just like is walking through the goblins and like they're dying as they brush against him. Wait, could you use heat metal on yourself to do that kind of attack? Whoa. Uh, you walk into the horde of zombies with your 20 AC superheated <laughs> metal armor and they're just like biting if you and catching on you. fire. Oh, that's just, great. Your friends are throwing flasks of oil on you, so it's oh. like this constant burst of AoE damage. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's fun. Um, I love the Forge Cleric. Yeah, dude, Xanathar's <sighs> really hit it out of the park. Next is the Grave Domain from Xanathar's. This oh, one this is fun. like death, but it's kind of the line between life and death, I would say. It's not as extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so um, the Domain of the Grave gives you the Circle of Mortality. Will give you the max roll whenever you're rolling healing, and the spare the dying spell is always available to you. It has no range. That's really good. No, sorry, it has a longer range and is now a bonus action. So spare the dying, from what I understand, is just um, like if somebody's dead and they're making death saves, you can cast this on them and it's giving um, advantage, right? Um, I think. All right, you touch a living creature that has zero hit points. The creature becomes stable. The spell has no effect on undead or constructs. Whoa. So yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't give them one health. It means that they stop rolling death saves. So you can then they're just rolling to see if they can uh, just stand up. So, so they're at negative health still, or no? They, no, they go to zero. Go to zero. The ne- the the potential negative health would be uh, tracked. Continue to be tracked if they were hit again, but they just like they're oh, stable weird. and they don't have to make saves. Yeah. Okay. They would just be unconscious and laying. There. And now it has range and no. Um, where is it? And it's a bonus action. Bonus, it's action. A bonus action. So anybody yeah. dies near you, like they're not going to really die. They're completely stable. That's really That's cool. That's nice. So yeah. if you have a bunch of half orc, um, what is it? Half orc barbarians oh, that are all the ancestral. Oh they can just pop up. <laughs> they will Jeez. never die. That's great. What is that may never die? Next, they get the eyes of the grave, which sounds like a great metal band. <laughs> it just lets you yeah. sense the undead within sixty feet. Always nice. Your channel divinity is the path to the grave. You may mark an enemy to be vulnerable to the next damage type it takes. So that could be good if you see an ally winding up to blast something with uh, the rogue. Or, or let's say you got those Sun Soul monks and they're going to go hand blasting light on Strahd. Radiant. You, yeah. He's already vulnerable. I don't know if you can stack vulnerability, but you get the picture. It's just the next attack. It's only a single attack, though. So it'd be best to do with like a rogue who does all of their damage in one blow. That's such a cool oh, you're right. path of the grave. It's a cool name. I will what's he say? To the grave. Allow me to guide you to your grave. And he just like <laughs> he just points at him and then the grave stat or the <laughs> I would say that oh, like man. a mausoleum, a ghostly mausoleum appears somewhere in the room. Oh. And there's like a person beckoning to the person. <laughs> oh, oh I imagine no, like it's... when the rogue stabs him, he hits him over the head with like a tombstone as well. Like oh. a magical oh, one. No, that no, just, no. Like... It's it's like the um if you guys ever played Injustice 2, uh I've seen Scare- a lot of it. Scarecrow, uh his like special move. It like smacks him left and smacks him right and then smacks them down into a grave. And each grave always says the name of the person smacked down into it. That's it's so, so fun. Dude, Scarecrow's <laughs> really quite frightening in that game. 
Oh yeah. Well, Spooktober's over now, so yeah. Now we gotta talk about Thanksgiving. Not it's Turkey Tober now. Turkey Tober. Turkey Tober. <laughs> uh, this one, the next one is Sentinel at Death's Door. It turns your crits. Sorry. If you are critically hit by an enemy, it turns into a regular hit and cancels any effect triggered by that crit. So you can just oh, no can longer be critted. You. That can save... Oh my gosh, that's that's really valuable. And you can use this a number of times per day equal to your wisdom modifier recharges with a long rest. So uh, you're going to block, what, at least four and then later five crits a day. So really that every time you're crit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's finally... At level 17, you get the Keeper of Souls. When an enemy dies near you, you regain hit points equal to their hit dice. Oh. oh so imagine weird. you're just like walking around a battlefield and just like absorbing the souls of people who have died. Yeah, this this you're makes like, it where the Dungeon Master can't throw mobs at you because mm. that would the Grave Cleric would be fine, right? With each little right, skeleton like a, that it, falls yeah, the over. The smallest enemy is going to be like... Like 10 goblins dying. It's like, oh, now I'm at full health. Yeah, <laughs> fine. Oh, that's super cool. Keeper of souls. Yeah. Next is, uh, this is an unearthed arcana. And ironically, the domain is the domain of arcana. Oh. <laughs> and ironically, our uh, podcast is called uh, Vox Arcana. I thought it was called the Purple Goblin. No, <laughs> you <laughs> sly dog. <laughs> All right, the arcana domain. <laughs> Um, it's almost like blurring the line between a wizard and a cleric. So when you take this, you gain arcane initiate. You gain two wizard cantrips. Very nifty. Um, your channel divinity gives you arcane abjuration, which now you can turn celestial elemental fey or fiend creatures as if they were undead. Oh, that's cool. That exp- it expands it to a mm-hmm. bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And then that later, will, later you helps. gain the ability to banish them. Really cool. That's super good. You gain Spellbreaker. When you heal an ally, you can end one spell effect on them. Oh. So if they're cursed or something, you'll just... No, cursed I break that off of you. I mean, even if they're, like, sleeping or frightened. Uh, it says one spell. One spell effect, yep. Spell Sle- effect. So it's sleeping, frightened, charm. confused, yeah. charm. Basically every condition and or... Um, like Dang. Yeah, wow. So someone is, if lot. someone has a concentration spell... From what I'm understanding, on that on another player or ally, you can end it. Hmm. Break their concentration. That's cool. Spellbreaker. Huh. Hmm. Okay. And finally, at level 17, you gain four wizard spells. These are now always prepared and count as cleric spells for you. <gasps> oh, what? Okay. <laughs> wow. It just gives you, yeah, you can just sling a bunch of different spells. Huh. Spell slinger. And at really 17, what are the, those are like eight. Level six, seventh, eighth, and ninth. Dang, a dang, yeah. There's some, there's some, there's some big stuff in there. And they're always prepared, so you're limited by your spell slots, obviously. But it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Finally, we've come to the unearthed arcana order class discipline and service. This is like the soldier, I guess. Uh, You gain. The huh. voice of authority. When you cast a spell, an ally can attack an enemy you can see. Oh, I've seen Mike. I, uh, Mike Burles made this class on uh, one of his uh, Mike Burles Happy Fun Hour. And I, I, it's cool seeing the finalized version of it because I, I only <laughs> saw him make the uh, preliminary one. Hmm. This is cool. This is cool. Uh, you gain heavy armor proficiency. Very nice. Your channel divinity is orders demand. It lets you charm others. This is cool. It's it is like this voice of authority. Um, 
And then uh, or the Pope. Yeah, this is like the Pope. You get the Order's <laughs> Dominion. Casting an enchantment spell restores one expended spell slot. What? What? To who? To you. To anyone or just to you? To you. Yeah, to you. Oh, wow. That's great. Oh, weird. Interesting. Huh. You get improved weapon damage. Always nice. And then at level 17, Order's Wrath. You mark an enemy for destruction and it takes additional damage. From everyone? The first time each turn that any ally of yours hits the enemy with a weapon attack. Oh, okay. So the, that, the, that's super that's good. good. That's good. So you would stack yeah. that with the, the rogue. This is very It's like the, uh, what was the, we called the paladin that was the oath of the crown. What'd you call it? Like the blue collar paladin? <laughs> or what'd you call it? Let me go find him. Um, the, uh... Um, Oathbreaker, Vengeance, Judge Dread, Homeland Security, the Green Homeland Knight. Security. It was Homeland Security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's yeah this one is very like you want like i imagine an order domain cleric would be like the chief of police mm, yeah actually like it would be someone who is like very literally about law like it'd be a lawful neutral lawful good oh very mm. interesting and that is all of the classes all the subclasses for the subclasses Oh, man, what a bunch. What a bunch that was. Well, now let's talk about how we could improve the cleric. I have some thoughts. Um, I feel like the cleric is pretty... I don't know if because in 5e, like, the, just the respect of the history of the class throughout Dungeons & Dragons history. It seems like a lot of love and care has been put into the cleric. Um, Yeah, I don't know how I would improve it. It seems... Like, it's very based on the subclass, the flavor, and what your cleric is. Like, the subclass is very important. But um, I don't know how I don't know how to improve it. How would you guys improve it? Um, well, so from what I've seen is that the cleric is very attractive to a certain subset of people, myself included. Like, this has been the one that I've been the most interested in at a cursory glance of D&D until we've done this class series, basically. Uh-huh. Um but it it's kind of it's a lot more complicated than it looks at first because you have spells to consider and because you know all of these spells like level one you now have like fifteen spells you have to go read about when really you should just pick yeah. bless and light and whatever right um, so I, what I what I've done is I give new players like a little handout and it's like here are the only spells you need to prepare until you have time to read all of the rest and that, that makes sense so that's that's yeah. my little life hack. Huh. The the cleric has a weird progression compared to the other classes because you when you choose your like domain, you get a bunch of extra spells up until like the 10th level. And then at the 10th level there's it goes into a different type of progression where you don't really get any subclass features until like 17. So it feels like you're not you don't really gain a whole lot in the class that is like useful i think one of the abilities that you get is you get to pray to your deity and like on a it's like a five percent chance that they like are listen and are gonna do something about it and that is uh it's it's just not it doesn't feel great well it's very dm dependent yeah it's very dm dependent as well and it's I would have liked to see more, I don't know, similar progression to some of the other subclasses, as well as I think that the, I think that the clerics 
spell pool is kind of big for a class that has a limited that should shouldn't necessarily have too many spells in my opinion so the cleric is this uh like priest figure and they're going to be doing generally good things and they're trying to help people but there aren't a lot of the spells that they have access to i think they have access to like call lightning and that doesn't i don't know it it seems kind of weird that you would have like if you're a priest other than being combat focused that you would want to call lightning on people if that makes sense you're saying it doesn't mm-hmm. fit the flavor of the class not that it doesn't fit the flavor it's just it's I would have liked to see more holy spells, a holy or style. You're saying or that the direct spell. There's such a wide selection. Some of it is like you probably would not pick it. Yeah, you'd like a more focused spell list. Yeah, I, I would like a more like compact list. I, of... So that's my my thought too. Um, just to cut you off there, I'll, I'll let you finish. No, go um, ahead for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I wish that there was a like as the sorcerer is to the wizard. I want a class to the, the cleric. Uh, where you have a um, a more punchy, oh. like a narrowed spell selection, maybe yeah. like more light on your feet, easy to just jump right into class. Maybe it would be that priest in cloth armor, where you're like this caster who who just is a the the youngster who does that. The youngster. It would probably honestly be the divine pact warlock. Hmm. Yeah, it's like right. the spell list is more compact, but it's just more about being a kind of a holy blaster. <laughs> blaster, blaster. That's that's interesting. So who do you guys think should play the cleric? What is the optimal type of player that should be playing the cleric class? In my humble experience, the people who I see attracted to this are the same people who want to play the medic in Team Fortress and who want to play Mercy in Overwatch. <laughs> like These people don't want to be in the spotlight. They don't want to be on the front line, but they want to help. And the cleric is really good at that. They're, they're really yeah. the perfect class for that in this game. Uh, the, the issue, as we mentioned, is that it can be more complicated than you think. But really, if you just cast Bless a lot, you're probably fine for the first few sessions. This is the girlfriend class or the girl gamer class where like, you, you bring your oh my significant other to the table and force them to play wow. and you tell them what to do so that they're Holy. useful. No, that's kind of true, right? Because um, if you have a person who is not familiar with D&D, um, I, you could give them a fighter, but then really you're just going to be telling them, hit this. And, yeah. and you're you're just kind of playing a second fighter. But with the cleric, like, oh, I'm going to... I'll heal you. It's like, hey, can you heal me? It's just like... Yeah. yeah. It's funny that it it takes the role of a beginner class, even though it's nothing of the sort. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. It's weird because the cleric doesn't appeal to me in any way at all. It's one of like the three classes that I haven't played. And I probably won't just because I don't... I'm not really interested in playing a supportive style. Mm. Wow. Like, Selfish I either be, comes out. I mean, I'll play, <laughs> I'll play like a frontliner, or I'll play a damage dealer, or like utility class. But this is like, I, 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 I don't know. I just don't find healing appealing. Healing appealing. I just don't <laughs> find it appealing. <laughs> well, I hereby challenge you to play a cleric, and I bet you'd you'd find something to love. God. But you're right, like it, because there's we've done so many classes for this podcast, and there's so many cool things yeah. with all these other classes, even within the same class. Like um, Barbarian comes to mind. It's just like, I want all that. And the Rogue, I want to play as all of the different ones. And then Cleric is kind of like, well, um, if I didn't have anything better to do or if I had to play the support guy, I guess I could. Yeah. Um, 
it's weird though because I don't I don't think that healing is bad, but I'm just not appealed to any of the subclasses. Even in like WoW or other MMOs where they have clerics, they have like like this one's like a cool shadow cleric and he mm-hmm. can do all sorts of other like cool things. And I'm like, I, I don't feel like there's as much potential to do that as a cleric in this. Just from mm. what I've seen into the class. Jake? Um, I mean, I like the cleric. I feel like the cleric is, is one of those classes that relies most on their subclasses than any other class. Um, your domain changes your character entirely. You know, like trying to... The difference between a light domain and a death domain and a forge domain are just wildly different. Yeah. Um. So I think there's something in a cleric for everyone yeah I know uh, but it wrong. does have that inherent supportness or like like supporting role um kind of built into it yeah don't get me wrong like the, the cleric is still like a very good class and you're able to do a lot of like cool things like you can bless your party and you can you can raise people from the dead pretty easily and you can do all sorts of other crazy things so it's still it's still a great class to play and if any of that sounds appealing if you like helping other people and being that um like playing a more like priestly type figure in your games it's combat focused or you like wielding mm-hmm. wielding a mace or being extremely tanky mm-hmm. uh those are all great things that you can do with this class there is something i've noticed from people who play clerics and there is um i i believe it's a real world curse and that you will never roll high in initiative and you will never really roll very well on your attack rolls (laughs) the curse of the cleric i yeah i don't know what it is like they are constantly in the bottom of initiative and i don't know why i mean maybe that fits better right because you want to kind of get a feel of the battlefield and then you know um, that way the they can heal people after support. everyone else has already taken yeah. damage. <laughs> yeah. But so if you use my initiative system, uh, then it's a lot more forgiving. But rules is written. And that's it's not a gameplay mechanic. The rolling low, but it just seems to happen a lot. So okay, my question then is: Let's talk about some character concepts. Do you have anything like with the cleric? Is there something that sticks out? You're like, oh, the cleric could be so awesome if it was done in this way. Hmm. The one that came to mind is um, my sister writes a lot of books. She's an author, and she wrote this one story that plays with the idea of life and death existing on a spectrum, and that extremes are always bad. It's um, because if you have too much life, then you the extreme of that is like tumors, right? Like uncontrolled growth. Oh yeah, and then yeah. death is necessary for the cycle of life to happen. But too much death is overwhelming, and um, it's like corrupting, right? So I like the idea of a a cleric that is a life cleric but that he he's trying to balance these two extremes all the time maybe the history would be that he is like this conduit for two gods who are like life and death and he is trying to balance this constantly um but i I don't know if he'd be a life or a death cleric or somehow if i could house rule both um maybe it's a jekyll and hyde thing i don't know i like the struggle that no that's cool that is cool it's like the two sides of the same coin Mm -hmm. that's cool so uh, I'm gonna be controversial, and I'm gonna say uh, mine is mine is a knowledge domain cleric. There we go. And they're obsessed with learning about the world, much like a wizard would. But what they find is that there's not a lot of information about the gods, mm-hmm. and they're 
potentially even questioning the existence of the gods themselves. So they're destined and set out to find knowledge and to use that knowledge to, you know, create a lore of the gods themselves. They're like the prophet for their own religion. Oh No, they're just trying to chronicle, you know, like the, like what the the gods have done. And so they'd be going to towns and talking to people who have had divine events happen to them Mm. and, you know, potentially test it. They're trying to be unbiased. Yeah, and they're trying to, like, see, like, who are these gods and, like, what are they about and what have they done and, like, what are they, what is the extent of their powers? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, So the thing I was leaning towards is almost like a Valkyrie. Um, So she would be probably a war domain cleric, but that would multi-class into Valor Bard. Hmm. Um, That would be someone who, like, um, you know, kind of uh portrays the the glory of the gods and kind of like is kind of in lust with battle and like um victory and defeat but like the whole time she is looking at people and being like you are deemed worthy of valhalla like you are deemed worthy of like a warrior's rest um and so it kind of has this judge aspect on the cleric where um you know this the war cleric valor bard who's going around telling stories of heroism but also kicking the crap out of people (laughs) Um, but then being like if they put up a good fight and they're like a sentient human be like you are deemed worthy to enter (laughs) valhalla you know like that would be really interesting i don't know i like the um i like the cleric as a judge um almost kind of i kind of really like the order domain as well as like a yeah. cleric that's kind of judge, jury, and executioner that determines so much about the afterlife and they kind of have a lot of leeway on like what the, the, the divine pantheon chooses oh, for Jake, I mortals. Have, I have a great idea to build on that. Uh, so okay. in the barbarian episode a little while ago, we talked about this barbarian who uh, keeps on dying but keeps on being brought back to, to oh, serve trying to get, uh, yeah. some purpose that he doesn't understand. To Valhalla. Um, you put a wrinkle in that where... There's a prophecy that he knows where he can only ascend to Valhalla when he finds this one cleric who is, he doesn't know what eon he's going to live in. So he's always searching for this cleric. Oh. And so like toward the end of the campaign, that's when he would discover that the person he's been traveling with is like, they meet the needs of the prophecy or whatever. And then he says, you are worthy of Valhalla. And he's able to send him on. No, it fits because we had that whole thing as like, (laughs) um, yeah, he was like, am I worthy yet? Like yelling at the heavens. And finally he finds this person who has this kind of divine um, job to bestow the blessing (laughs) of like, okay, you, yeah, you've done enough. Like, oh man. What a tough life that would be. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) That's cool. Let's move into random table talk. This week we are generating a sentient magic item from the tables in the back of the Dungeon Master's Guide. This is in Chapter 7. Jake, get your dice ready. We're going to talk. They're ready. We're going to talk about communication. So this is how this item communicates with you, with your character. I think that we're going to use a cleric. This will be an item that a cleric will use. So roll a d100. Oh, that is an 88. Wow, so close. The item can speak, read, and understand one or more languages. 
creepy. Is it audible? Okay, I hope so, right? Like, isn't it sentient? Yes. So it, so it can talk. That's it's pretty rare. Like, um, sixty percent of the time, it will only communicate via transmitting emotions. So you. Oh, you, so this one can talk. It okay. Can talk. Yeah. All right. Next is your senses. Roll a d4. This is how it is aware of its surroundings. It's a two. It has hearing and normal vision out to sixty feet. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So it can hear. Can he hear everyone? Uh, I mean, hearing and normal vision. Yeah. So yeah. Just like a person. So here's the party. And it can talk to everyone, right? So mm-hmm. it can like okay, okay. I like that. I like when the the sentient items aren't like mind controlling. Like, right. do this, you son of a gun. I prefer <laughs> it when it's like, oh, I like that, boys. You know, like you everyone got a lawful cronk sword. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of lawful cronk, let's roll your alignment. Roll a d100. Oh no. That is a forty-one. Chaotic good, my favorite. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, chaotic good. It can speak to everyone. It can hear everyone in the party. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Um, the, the chapter tells us to go to chapter four to get the characteristics for NPCs. So I'm going to find you a um, NPC talent. Roll a T20. Okay. That is a six. They are great with children. <laughs> And the mannerism, roll a d20. That is a two. Speaks in rhyme or some other <laughs> peculiar way. <laughs> and then here's its interaction with others, d12. Oh my god. A 14. Uh, d12? Oh, sorry, sorry. I was ro- I rolled a d20 again. Uh, d12, that is a an 11. 11 is quiet. Great, just what you want your sword to be, quiet. It just speaks in riddles. <laughs> okay. then... So it speaks, it likes children. It speaks in... <laughs> in a rhyme or some in... strange Yoda-like I cadence. imagine, yeah, like some weird cadence. Um, but it's relatively quiet. Because here's the thing, I feel like that fits well. Because if you are playing with a party and you have a lot of NPCs, the sentient sword might be forgotten. That's true. Right? Like, it, like it will be forgotten pretty easily. So... I think I like that it like it'll speak up in important moments. It's not just gonna be like, ha, <laughs> oh, good swing there, laddie. No, keep going again. You know, like I I want it to be. <laughs> um, yeah. Next, the finally for the NPC tables, uh, we're gonna roll some d sixes to generate their chaotic and their good ideals. So roll okay. d six, four, mm-hmm. and five. So their life or their good ideal is life, and five is no limits. <laughs> this sword wants to live. Every day as their best day. Oh, whoa! Okay, okay. So let's start from the beginning, and we got to build this sentient item. So oh, wait, there's one more D10 table. Excuse oh, me. Oh, okay. Let's do. Yeah. There's so many what? of these. That is a seven. This is their bond. They are protective of a sentimental keepsake. Okay. Well, I, I think the first question we have to ask is, what kind of item is this? Oh, I wonder if there's a table we can roll. If it's going to be a pre or a cleric item. It needs to be blunt, right? It's a mace. mace. Yeah, I'm thinking mace a warhammer hammer or a mace. I think um, th- he would go by either mace or mason. Mace. Mason, it's mason. Mace. Actually, Imagine... we're gonna, it'll be a double pun because it is a uh, like a smithing hand or a, a brick laying tool, right? So oh, it's a mason's no. tool. <laughs> That's a, that, is that the rare triple entendre? <laughs> so it's a mason's tool. It is a mace, and his name is Mason. <laughs> That's a triple entendre, my friend. And he's in a secret club called the Freemasons. So now oh. it's a quadruple entendre. <laughs> oh, yeah, he should be the Freemason. 
Oh god. <laughs> All right, okay. David. Yes. Freemason because he's trapped inside of this sentient. Oh wait, so now oh, so he doesn't like being in there. Pun. Yes. Wait, so he doesn't like being in there. No, it's a, it's like a spirit bound to the um, yeah the hammer. Uh, interesting. Okay, so and so he was go- a mason. So what was our first thing? It was um, Mason the Mason. <laughs> so it can it can talk. It can talk and hear like it anyone essentially in the party. Yes. Which is that that is pretty rare for a magic item. Most of the time they have like kind of some mind control or stuff like that. So it's it's kind of like this is almost like an NPC at this point. If everyone can hear him and every and he can talk to anyone. Um so so this is a mace. What does it look like? Does the mace have a mouth on it that like opens and like talks? I was thinking that it'd be funny if like at the end it was just a, a head. Instead oh, of like my a ball, gosh. it's just a, a head, head that it speaks. A head on a pike? Well, like, like it's, the no, 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 like the statue of David, right? Like that kind of head. Yeah, oh, I was thinking thing. like yeah. it was someone on a pike. No, that's <laughs> it's that's a gross. sculpted head. It's like an it's like metal statue. Oh, yeah, like, casted, and, and, and it just kind of speaks. From that's it. cool. Actually, that is cool. That is cool. I like that. So he just you're just like beating people with his people. face, and He's then you make puns about. So yeah, so he's chaotic. Good. So that that fits with most. I'm gonna be real. Like that's most D and D parties. Chaotic yeah, true. <laughs> so I feel like he'd get along with the party. He would almost be a minor Mason. Would almost be a minor NPC for the party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we try to tie him into the quest in some way. So maybe you're trying to restore his body. I think, okay. So one of the things I like doing is uh, a lot of the dump skill for players is history. Hmm. Um, because as me as the DM, I'd like to just kind of give history, but I like giving it through a mouthpiece. And I think Mason as a magic item would be a great mouthpiece to give history about where they're at. You know, like he'd oh, be yeah. like, but he all right, uh, can you uh, point me towards what you guys are looking at? And then he, you know, you can kind of move the mace around and be like, oh, okay. And then he can give you information um, in a fun way that isn't just the DM spouting off like this was a fortress made by the high elves five thousand years ago. <laughs> you know, it's like like it's much more fun when like a, this lively NPC is giving information about the world. That's true. So basic. Okay, what's what? He's quiet, so he speaks when spoken to. Seems like okay. So yeah, he's he not speaks in like rhymes. Yes. Yeah. How does he speak? Because okay, friendly with children that could be silly eventually, um, but so because he's quiet speaks in riddles and is good with children i think it's the way a gesture would talk in medieval times oh, so he's like this enthusiastic and thus came the king wearing oh, his underwear it's all, it's all kind of bardic yeah. Yeah, yeah it's all kind of like a story like it's all kind of, oh i like that i like that <laughs> everything is like overly dramatic and hammy yes no i love that that fits great Hmm. So he um, his ideals are life and no limits. So so this is a good magic item. I feel like magic items have a reputation of kind of like, oh my gosh, this magic item is so good. But like the magic item is like, I want you to kill your friends. Yep. You know, like it always it's that. It goes right to that. Yeah, it's kind of like slate the always, of your party, mother. <laughs> I like the idea of a magic item that is like. I like this. I want you to slam my head into people. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he's into it. He's a fan. Um, but, you know, introverted, but will speak when spoken to, has a good knowledge of history, likes children, chaotic good. Likes children. 
Um, this is just like his profile page. Just like <laughs> I, I date him. He likes yeah, long walks on the beach. Long walks on the beach. <laughs> Children speaks in rhymes. Poetic. Oh, so know? okay. Will, I would ask you this: How would you make this magic item, Mason, talk? Oh, um, there is a podcast I enjoy called um, "Hello from the Magic Tavern." Oh my! And gosh, they have yeah. some of the funniest yeah. improvised faux medieval <laughs> voices you've ever heard. So there's yeah. one voice uh, for if we happen to have a fan who watches both shows. The voice is, uh, or the character is the eunuch, and he has this very <laughs> mysterious. Um, Kind of like um, the spider from Game of Thrones. Yes. It's like Varys. That's exactly it. Yeah. And so he's always scheming and plotting to get things done. Let's go have fun <laughs> under the sun, right? And, but he's going to be playful and That's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. So it kind of speaks in kind of this bardic, um, excitable. Bardic mysteries. Mystery. Yeah. Like storytelling aspect. I like that. I like that. And, <laughs> and so I, we already have a name, right? Mason. Yeah. So that is, that is Mason, the sentient magic item. Wait, is also May's son. We have oh, his oh, son of oh, May. So we're we're going like <laughs> ten deep on this punch. <laughs> this is a quadruple entendre. So um, there's actually more. That was just the NPC personality table. What? Okay, we're, we're so, back okay. back in the DMG chapter seven. Oh, so we is, haven't even got the damage bonuses. No, no. So this is yeah. the special purpose. This is um, okay. why they were made. So really, okay. D ten. We're going that's deep a, on a random table. That is a ten. Creator seeker. The item seeks its creator and wants to understand why it was created. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it likes knowledge, then Mm -hmm. I like that. Okay. Uh, Oh, wait, wait, wait. Scroll. This is conflict. The sentient item has a will of its own, shaped by its personality and alignment. Uh, It's not a table. It's just sort of a list of bullets. The item demands that the wielder dispose of anything that the item finds repugnant. Oh, maybe it's like some sort of. I don't know, maybe you're fighting drow or um, like orcs or something. And like people are picking up the items to be like, oh, we can sell these later. And he's just like, no, no. Like those, like, like you can't pick up anything dropped from like the dungeon you're in or else it gets mad. We can give uh, the, we can give Mason artifact properties, but um, this was defined some of its mechanical uses. I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way Mason came out. Uh, it's easy to put some uh, abilities on him. So what are some options? Roll a D100. Um, yeah, I guess you're going to have to roll a D100. Uh, that is a 46. While attuned to the artifact, you have resistance against one damage type of the DM's choice. I feel like it'd be bludgeoning. I do too. Yeah. I say that. Like it'd just be kind of this blunt resistance, like this aura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe, okay, we'll go a little deeper on this on Tundra, and his personality will also be blunt. He's very frank with people. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honest to Whoa. a fault. Honest yeah. to a fault. All right, uh, and then roll a d100 for his major beneficial property. Okay. So that is a 95. 95 is, while attuned to this artifact, you can't be blinded, deafened, petrified, or stunned. This guy just really proved himself. That's really good. It's really, like, tanky. It's really, like, resistant to effects and stuff. I guess you know resistance to bludgeoning damage, resistance to like being those a, kind of. Imagine effects. being a forge cleric with this. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, okay, because those are all like um, these conditions that are kind of mental. I think that while you're holding it, you can look through his eyes. So that's why you can't be blinded. Oh, or deaf. so like if the because um, he can hear and see, we know. What's what's the name of the uh, the snake haired lady 
A Medusa looks at you, but you're like your eyes are closed and you're looking through the already stone head of me. <laughs> He's like smiling and just like bam right in your face. That's really this good. Is, that, so it's almost like a periscope tool now. Like <laughs> yeah, the, the best yeah. magic items are not just good because of mechanical advantages, but because of stuff like this. Because it unlocks yes. opportunities to just be just creative. create like creativity um to solve problems very strangely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. All right, so now we have some detrimental properties. So oh roll God, a D100. Still have more. Yeah, this have is a, a, a D lot. what? D100. D100. Okay, that is a 60. While attuned to the artifact, your weight drops by 1D4 times 5 pounds. Oh, it weird. makes you weigh less. Okay. Maybe he consumes calories from your body. Like, he's Wait, so hold powerful. on. Isn't this a bad thing? Yes. That's a bad thing? Your weight goes down? That's a bad thing? I mean, if you're in medieval times, you're not going to be obese. Oh, like your physical. I'm imagining just like your your magical, no, like your how much you actually weigh. Way. No, yes. like you get thinner. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah. And yeah. I think because he's oh, consuming shit. energy from you, like not Oh, like he takes energy. Yeah, like it just requires right. energy to wield him. And now we have the major detrimental property. That's two. Oh, it says an 80. Mm. When you become attuned to the artifact, one of, one of your ability scores is reduced by two at random. Well, oh, that kind of makes sense because then he's absorbing funny. part of you. Your calories I, I don't know if I'd even make it random. For him, it feels like you'd lose probably dex. Hmm. Well, what if right? you lost intelligence because he sucked some of the knowledge out of you yeah. and went uh, into him? Maybe you'd it should power be random. Him. No, That's... you could definitely like fine-tune it yourself. Yeah. But that yeah. is that is now all of the tables. So that is Mason. Let's That's count Mason. Let's count up the layers of pun here. Okay. He is a mace. His name is Mason. So that's the first pun. He, Second pun. His name, he's a Mason. He, he's a Mason. Um, or his name, okay, whatever. His job was as a Mason. Yes. He's a Masonry tool. I don't know why you'd use a hammer in Masonry, but let's just go with it. Yeah. Um, he, he, his mom's name was May, so he's May's son. Yes. He's part of the Freemasons. He wants to be free, so he's a free, he's a free, free Mason. He wants to be a free So that's Mason. six, possibly seven. That is so... What would it be? A, do we have one more? That would be a septuple entendre. It's at least six layers deep. This is great. Wow. Oh, man. Oh. Classic. Right, well, that is uh, that is random table talk making a sentient magic item. So you feel free to use Mason uh, in your games, um, and we will be doing this, uh, making some more sentient magic items later on. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana episode thirty-two. I'm William. I'm Jake, and I'm David. We'll see you next time. You can follow us on social media if you're into memes and deep thoughts. You can follow us uh, on Twitter which is at Vox Arcana Pod. Our Facebook is where we post articles, gaming news, and generally um, maybe more serious fare. That's also at Vox Arcana Podcast. Our Instagram is where I post amazing fantasy art, and occasionally you will see some behind-the-scenes material. Find us at Vox Arcana Podcast. And finally, you can email your questions and feedback to us at Vox Arcana Podcast at gmail.com. Hashtag blessed.